Welcome to Value Investing, the Starvine Way, where my goal is to help you learn more about value investing and compounding wealth with a long-term focus. I'm your host, Stephen Coe, founder and portfolio manager of Starvine Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual securities should not be construed as investment advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek advice that reflects their personal financial situation. Inversion is the act of turning something upside down. In problem solving and investing, we invert or think backward from a destination in order to gain a different perspective versus looking at the problem only on a forward-facing basis. Charlie Munger popularized inversion by taking a leaf from the algebraist Carl Jacobi. Said Munger, invert, always invert. Turn a situation or problem upside down. Look at it backward. What happens if all our plans go wrong? Where don't we want to go and how do you get there? According to Munger, avoiding dumb stuff alone will allow you to prevail over your betters, no matter how smart they are. His approach to seeking good judgment was to collect instances of bad judgment and then pondering ways to avoid those outcomes. The focus of this discussion is of course how it applies to investing, but there are problems that are best solved or strongly complemented by going backward. For example, an entrepreneur wants a new business to be highly successful, which means it must survive. And to survive, the business must first become self-sufficient by reaching a true break-even state or zero profit. Assuming the costs and pricing are known, we can work backward and figure out the number of units per year that need to be sold. A more common example of inversion in everyday life can be found in high school. Students invert all the time near the end of a term or school year. They may ask themselves, in order to achieve an 80% average for all courses, what grade needs to be scored on the last exam, assuming all other grades are known at that point? Or for others, the question may be, what grade on the final exam is needed to pass the course? Going through the simple exercise gives students a better sense of how to spend their energy rather than just studying as much as they can. In baseball, a team has 27 outs per game. Every out that can be preserved increases a team's chances of winning. Billy Bean discouraged his players to attempt to steal bases as statistics showed that overall, this tactic was detrimental. So by curbing this behavior, he increased the Oakland A's odds of winning. Let's now go through a few investment-related examples. First, a high-level example. How do I achieve good investment results? Similar to the question of how to live a long life, we will turn the problem on its head by asking, what is within our control to avoid disastrous investment returns? By cutting out behaviors and investments that have a high probability of failing, we have already gotten much closer to our goal. We cannot control market volatility over any period of time, but there are situations we can steer clear of. This does not come close to being a complete list, but here are a few examples. We can avoid fads like pot stocks in 2018, and unprofitable companies when everyone around you is jumping in, as most fads inevitably blow up. Or, if we don't have any awareness of valuation, we can always educate ourselves. Is the stock cheap relative to its earnings power? Here we can invert and backsolve using readily available information and simple math to determine how much of a stock's past gain was due to multiple expansion versus earnings growth. If a great 10-year run in the share price was attributable to multiple expansion and the stock went from cheap to expensive, would you count on the multiple to expand much more in the future to meet your return requirement? Next, we can avoid the excessive use of margin debt, which if well-timed will boost returns but can cause permanent impairment if used too much and you are forced to sell at the worst possible time to meet margin calls during a market downturn. We can avoid really bad businesses 
or those industries that have a track record of low returns on capital and bankruptcy, by blocking out the potential bad outcomes from high-risk behavior, we have immediately improved our long-term odds without even getting into what makes a great investment. Warren Buffett provided an example of inversion during the internet mania of the late 1990s when he said the following, When we buy a stock, we always think in terms of buying the whole enterprise because it enables us to think as businessmen rather than stock speculators. So let's just take a company that has marvelous prospects. That paying you nothing now where you buy it at a valuation of $500 billion. For example, let's assume that there's only going to be a one-year delay before the business starts paying out to you and you want to get a 10% return. If you paid $500 billion, then $55 billion in cash is the amount that it's going to have to be able to disgorge to you year after year after year. To do that, it has to make perhaps $80 billion or close to it pre-tax. Look around at the universe of businesses in this world and see how many are earning $80 billion pre-tax, or $70 billion, or $60, or $50, or $40, or even $30 billion. You won't find any. Instead of doing a whole bunch of work on the tech companies, Buffett simply inverted. He had in mind what an acceptable percentage payout would be, and based on the disconnect between the market capitalizations at the time and the lack of profits from those companies, there was no way he would touch them. Let's explore how inversion can be used to solve an investment problem. For example, I notice that a stock is trading at a 9.5% dividend yield. Remember that a dividend yield is simply the company's annual dividend divided by the current share price and expressed as a percentage. If a company pays a dividend of $0.95 cents annually and the stock price is $10, the dividend yield would be 9.5%. So as the share price decreases, its dividend yield goes up and vice versa. Absent a change in the dividend, an increase in the share price would result in a lower dividend yield. A high dividend yield of 9.5% implies that the market thinks the dividend will be cut or reduced. Let's say the stock price really cratered over six months due to a double whammy of a big market sell-off and because the company is classified as being involved in consumer discretionary. And general fears of a recession is leading investors to shun companies that may be more affected by tough economic times. If a large contributor in the market's pessimism toward the stock is the fear of a dividend cut, then the stock price should re-rate upward if such fears turn out to be false. That is, the share price should increase such that the dividend yield will revert to a more reasonable level. The question then becomes, is this a good value or a value trap? Using forward thinking in this example may involve estimating free cash flow using a standard formula, starting with revenue and then estimating margins, costs, interest, taxes, capital expenditures, and working capital. Using conservative assumptions, will free cash flow easily cover the dividend commitment? With inversion or backward thinking, we are choosing an endpoint and pushing that outcome backward through the same formula to instead determine what the assumptions must be. In this case, let's assume that it's a value trap if the company must in fact cut the dividend, and management will only do that if the payout ratio approaches 100%, meaning that free cash flow deteriorates to the point where it more or less equals the dividend payment. Backward thinking here forced me to take an outcome, in this case an outcome I don't want, and then determine what underlying assumptions need to play out for it to happen. Inverting is not necessarily superior to thinking forward, but it sure makes us look at the problem from another angle and encourages us to drill down to key variables. That is, stress test the outcome we don't want to happen, and in this case determine pain thresholds that would need to be met in order to justify the negative view carried by those betting against the company. In this hypothetical example, the company's pain points are its variable rate debt in an environment of rising interest rates and earnings that have taken a hit due to supply chain issues. 
Instead of concluding that the dividend is safe because our estimate of free cash flow, based on what we believe are reasonable assumptions, shows that is the case, we think the dividend is safe because we've inverted the problem by working backward and determining how high interest rates must go in isolation, how much lower profit in each business segment needs to shrink, and the combinations of the variables that would force management to rethink its dividend policy. Since I believe it unlikely that interest rates will increase fourfold or that earnings will fall another 35% from an already depressed level or the combinations in between, I believe the dividend is safe from being lowered. That gives me confidence that Mr. Market is wrong. If you're thinking this analysis is too rigid, you're right in that it's not enough in isolation. There's an unlimited number of risks in business and we can't stress test for every scenario. But I'm definitely better prepared by going through this exercise and considering how much pain can be tolerated in the key inputs. If you're looking for a fun way to practice inversion, pick up a booklet of logic puzzles at the local dollar store. They are a great way of practicing deductive thinking. Never forget, invert, always invert. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please like, subscribe, and share. Questions can be sent to podcast at starvinecapital.com. On a final note, thank you for the reviews on Apple Podcasts as that helps us get discovered.